Thanks. You can be seated. Appreciate you coming this morning. Um, joining with us, we kind of um, move our service out here uh, this time each year. We've done this, I think, the last time I looked. Uh, this is our 15th year of doing this, so um, we enjoy it. And it's, uh, it's a nice opportunity for us to get away a little bit. Um, appreciate the air-conditioned buildings that we have. And uh, remember what it was like. Um, the past is important that way. And um, I appreciate the fair uh, committee and, and all of the, the board members and all the people that go to make the fair happen. Um, you know, this is a, they, they do a great job with it. I know, um, in particular, it's close to home to us because uh, this is Don's last year and uh, Don's fair manager uh, fellowship with us each week as well. So. Um, but you know, we just appreciate the job that everybody does uh, to make it uh, to make it a great fair. A um, couple of things I would like to remind you of. One is um, we don't do we do offerings a lot different at our church. We just have a box, so um, we don't take an offering. But at the fairgrounds, they do. So here's here's what's happening. There's a basket at the back of the church here. Any money that goes in that goes to the fairgrounds. We don't we don't do anything with it. So. Um, you can either put it in that pot, in that little basket, or you can just stop by the fair office if you want to drop something off. They use that to kind of help keep Old Town and, and all the buildings maintained and things like that. So um, just along those lines. And then we, uh, as a church, do a lot of fellowship, which means we eat a lot. Uh, so after the service, uh, we don't want to break tradition. In fact, next week's potluck at the church. But for this week, what we're going to do is uh, after the service is over, we Go down by Washburn's tent there on the main drive, and there's Danish and coffee and juice and water and stuff like that, and grab it. And if you need to grab it and go, grab it and go. If you want to grab it and sit around and talk, um, that's what we enjoy doing. So, And then, uh, like I say, this is kind of a big year for us, not only is it our 15th year here, but as a church, it's our, in November we celebrate our 25th anniversary as a church. I've been fortunate to be with it 23 years, so um, it's exciting to see what God's done. Um, a lot of people have been asking, we're located about two miles south of Climbing Hill, a lot of people have been asking what's happening at, at, at our church with the dirt and all that kind of thing. About a couple years ago we had um, three acres uh, of ground given to us, and we've been in the process of getting rid of that now, so that we have a level area for parking, and then um, it, looks like, um, it looks like we're going to be adding another building um, for worship, so that will be probably in the next year or so we'll be, we'll be doing that. Um, so we have a good group that comes out each week, and, and um, we're kind of running into some some issues. So uh, trying to get enough space for people. So that's kind of where we're headed. If you don't have a Bible preaching church, we would love to have you. Um, we meet at 10:30. Um, we're done in time for you to get to a restaurant in Sioux City for lunch. So uh, before all the other churches do. So anyway, uh, but um, we'd love to get to know you and. Uh, you know, um, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be with us this morning. Uh, this morning, I've chosen uh, what I want to preach about, what I want to talk about is, a, some would say, the most famous passage in all the Bible. At best, it's the second most famous passage in all the Bible. I mean, we live in a, in a crazy, crazy world. And if you've watched the news at all this week, you know this political correctness thing has just been bizarre. Um, with everything that's going on, because we're in a world in which people get so attached to words, and they never look at context. They, they never take a step back and try to put 
what's said in context. Because we're in a world that's been our media and everything else. Everybody's after that short soundbite. That short little clip that, that, that honestly, when you, when you live by those, you don't have to think. You just grab that little clip and, and, and make a statement about it. As a pastor, I see that a lot. Because it, when people are trying to justify what they're doing or their behavior or whatever else, they grab like one little clip out of the Bible. They don't do it in context. They grab one little thing and they build something on it. And so it's not any different in the, in the Christian world. So this morning I want to talk about one of the most famous clips that we hear. And that is in Matthew chapter 7 where it says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at as my text. Because, uh, like I said, at one point it was the second most famous verse everybody knew. Now it's almost become the most famous. There are people who don't know John 3.16, but they know Matthew 7. Um, and so I, I want to wrestle with that a little bit this morning. Because it's, it, it's kind of odd to me that, again, we're in a world that doesn't think. You know, So if I, as a Christian, say something about something that's not politically correct out in the world, it's not socially acceptable. What happens? Somebody comes to me and what do they say? Judge not, lest you be judged. Now, just stop and think about this for a minute. They are telling me to not judge because they are judging me. So it's okay for them to judge me and tell me not to judge others. Now, that doesn't make any sense. That's just not even, you know, they're not thinking. It's like, you know, you kind of want to look at them and go, hey, just, just think about what you just said, you know. But we're in a world that doesn't do that. We like those little clips. So this morning, here's what I want to do. We, we, at our church, we, we focus really hard on what does the Bible say. We look at the content. We try to apply it. We try to let it make a difference in the way we live our lives each week. So um, let's talk about Matthew chapter 7 for a minute. Matthew chapter 7 is part of the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gathers a large group of people, and he, he starts with the Beatitudes. You know, the blessed are the born, they that mourn, blessed are the corn spirit. He starts there. And then he expands on that in the following chapters. In Matthew chapter 7, it's part of that. It's part of Jesus expanding on this idea of how we look at judging, how we look at those kinds of things in the world. And here's what he says in Matthew 7. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, that's the context in which Jesus uses that phrase, judge not, let you should be judged. So, let's talk about it for a second. First of all, you and I want to live in a world that judges. We do. You don't think about it, but you do. You want to live in a world that judges. We're at the Woodbury County Fair. All week long, they've handed out ribbons. And those ribbons have been based on what? Judging. Can you imagine next year if the fair comes in and says, okay, here's the thing. New rule, we're not going to judge this year. You just come to the fair, everybody gets grand champion. Now, what, what, what's the joy in competing? What's the joy in doing? And by the way, we're learning this. We're learning this as a culture because we started giving away participation ribbons and now kids could care less about a participation ribbon because it has no value. 
And then we're going, you know what, maybe we need to do something different. Why? Because we want to live in a world that judges. I mean, just think about it for a minute. Um, your boss, your, wherever you work, next week, here's what they do. They implement a new policy that says we're going to treat everybody absolutely the same. So we're not going to judge your quality of work. We're going to pay you all the same. Now, if you're, it's your first year at work, that's a good deal. But if you put in 20 years of faithfully serving a place and giving them all, 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 and they come to you and say, hey, by the way, we're going to pay you the same thing we pay this 18-year-old kid. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to stand back and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Aren't you rewarding me for my, my loyalty, my commitment, my work, my, my education? My, aren't you going to do that? Oh, no, 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 we don't want to judge. We don't want a world like that. And not one of us that wants to be in a world like that. Because judgment is necessary for a world to function. Judgment is something we have to do. Discernment, um, making decisions, is something that the world has to have in order to function. But you know what we want? We want a world that does judge fairly. Let's be honest. We want to we judge. We want rules the same for everybody. We don't want... Um, by the way, that's what, that's what bothers some of us about politics. Is our politicians make rules for us and then they make exceptions for themselves. You know, we want it to be the same. We want, it, we want a world in which everybody's judged by the same standard. So when you go to work, you know that if you put in X number of years, you're going to get this percent increase in your rate. You're going to, we want a world in which everybody's playing by the same rules. I get that. But one of the things that we've got to see is that, you know, and when it's not fair, we want an appeals process. That's why we have our court system the way we do. Now, people abuse it. I get it. But you know what? At least they have the option to appeal it, to be able to be heard, to make sure that they're heard. I mean, even in a fair, we have an appeals process. You don't like something that's done at the, with the judging thing. There's an appeal process. Um, why? Because we want to make sure everybody gets treated fairly. Um, I sit on the, the rules committee for 4-H, and every year we evaluate how the fair went. We evaluate what rules work, what rules we need to adapt, change, clarify, what rules we need to add. Um, for those of us in the committee, actually, we've already started our list for next year. You know, I already ran into a deal earlier, and I said, you know, I called Lugene, I said, Lugene, we need to put this on the list for discussion, because this is going to be something that's going to come up in the coming years, and we need to, we need to make it clear for the kids so that everybody's on the same plan. Because we want to be fair about it. By the way, God's no different. And we are fortunate, because you know what God did for us? In our culture, in our time, God gave us a book that tells us exactly what the standards are. Exactly what he expects, exactly what the rules are, exactly how life is to be lived. He tells us everything. And by the way, you need to understand that up until 1600, if you were a person living up until 1600, the only way you could learn the Bible is if you knew Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and had access to the scrolls or the copies of the manuscripts, which were often housed at a, at a church because they were too expensive for anybody to afford. So when the printing press came along, it was revolutionary because all of a sudden now we can mass produce this thing. And then when, when Bibles came along, like the King James deal, all of a sudden for the first time in the history of the world, the Bible was put in the language of the people and everybody had access to it. And then when the Dead Sea Scroll thing happened, now all of a sudden we have even more access. And you and I are incredibly fortunate to be able to have the Word of God where we can go. What does God say? But hear me this morning. We're in a world in which we want to take the Word of God and adapt it to the culture in which we live. 
The Bible was set to, to transcend time, culture, space, generations. It is not to be changed. It is not to be altered. It is not to be toyed with. And, we, and, and we're doing a great disservice to God when we look at Him and say, you know, we understand that's what you say, but that's really not what we mean or what we think it should say or how we want to apply it. The bottom line is we have a standard by which we have to hold ourselves to. And we need to get to a point in America, in our churches, and as individuals that we get back to the idea of it doesn't matter what we think, it doesn't matter what we would like, what does God say? And that becomes our ultimate authority for life. Um, you know, I, for the first time in 20 years, I entered, something in, I entered some stuff in open class this year. You know what? It doesn't matter what the judges thought. It doesn't matter what I thought about what the judges thought. It doesn't matter whether or not I thought the judges got it right. The judge is the judge. And it's no different for God. God says, this is my standard. It's not to be debated. It's not to be argued about. It's, not, it's to be accepted and embraced, period. We've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to that. I mean, you know, we're in a culture which says, oh, there are many ways to God. That's not what the book says. The book says there's only one way. Jesus Christ said, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one gets to God but by me. Period. It's not up for debate. But we're in a culture which says, oh, no, 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 as long as you're sincere. Really? Come on. Sincerely drive on the left-hand side of the road all the way home today. Is it going to make a difference? You bet it is. You're either going to get somebody hurt or yourself hurt. Why? It doesn't matter whether or not you're sincere. You are sincerely wrong. We drive on the right side of the road in this country. Why? Because that's the standard that's set. And it's no different for God. So let's get back to our text. Matthew chapter 7. Let's understand some things. First of all, God does not say, don't judge. In fact, God says just the opposite. God says judge. We need to understand that. That's exactly what the text says. No, no, no. It says judge not lest you be judged. No, no, keep going. Do the content. And the context says, judge yourself. Start with you. In fact, he uses this crazy illustration where he says, it's like a guy walking around with a big old stick in his eye, and then he looks around and goes, hey, you got a speck of dust in yours. And the guy goes, why don't you take the stick out of your eye? So it's not that we're not to judge. In fact, Colossians, Jesus later is going to say, judge your words, Matthew chapter 12. Colossians 3, he's going to say, uh, Paul is going to say, judge your actions. We're told over and over again to judge our hearts, to judge our motives. And it's not the idea of not judging. The issue is, I have to start with me. I have to judge myself. I have to look at my life. It's not about what other people think. It's about what does God say about my life. So each one of us has the obligation to judge our lives. And by the way, he also says, why do I judge my life? So that I can help my brother. See, it's not the idea here he even says, look, when you judge your own life, when you get the log out of your eye, now you can see to go help your brother get the speck out of his. There's still an obligation for me to go to my brother and talk to him. It's not the idea that I go to my brother and go, hey, look, you know, your speck's no big deal because I just got the log. No, no, no. I get the log out of mine so I can help my brother get the speck out of his. That's what he said. He said, look, he said, but he said, understand, the way that you deal with other people, that's the way God's going to deal with you. And you understand? And we're in a world where, let's be honest, as Christians, sometimes we can be harsh and cruel and not be compassionate and show mercy. You look at how Jesus, Jesus confronted people all the time. 
But how does he do it? Grace, mercy, truth, compassion, kindness. He goes to the woman at the well. The disciples look at him and go, look, you're not supposed to be with that woman. He goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm here to help her. And he confronts her with her sin. He doesn't look over it. And he looks at her and says, look, go and sin no more. Go change. Go ahead and do some things. But we can, this is fixable. This is fixable. And he gives her that, he gives her that hope. He gives her that love. He gives her that grace, that mercy. Sometimes I think we miss that as Christians. And if you think you're better than somebody else because you're a Christian, well, you don't understand the Bible. No. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I, I never get excited about people who introduce me as pastor. You know? Because the second you do that, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. It's either a good thing and they start throwing theological questions at you, but it's a bad thing. They think you're on some category that they don't even know how to talk to you. They don't even put you as a human being. You know, um, so it's always one of those goofy things, you know, and, and it's one of those ideas where he says, look, you've got to understand, I've got to look at my own life first, and then as an, I have an obligation to help those around me as well. I have an obligation to help them understand truth. It's not the idea of just keeping your mouth shut. It's not the idea of saying, you know, well, you know, you believe your thing, I believe my thing. No, no, no. I can come to you and say, you know what, look, this is what the Bible says. You can do with what you want, but this is what the Bible said. So, let me wrap it up, because I'm always about applying stuff. I'm always about making sure it makes a difference in the way we live this week. So, let me, let me wrap it up this way by saying that. If you're not a Christian this morning, and you don't know anything about this religious thing, or this Bible thing, or whatever, let me, let me help you to understand this this morning, that God is a righteous God. And that He is a judge. And that the Bible is very, very clear. Every one of us will stand before Him. It's not going to be, you're not going to be compared to your neighbor, you're not going to be compared to anybody else. You're going to be compared to what does God say about you and your life and your sin before Him. And you're either going to stand before Him with your sin, or you're going to stand before Him with Jesus Christ covering your sin. It's really simple. But you will stand before him. I will stand before him. Whoever's sitting around you will stand before him. The Bible says, is appointed unto man once to die after this trip. We will stand before God. Now the question is how we stand before him. Do we stand before him in our own sin, in our own works, and go, look, God, you know, I just tried to do a whole lot of nice things for you. God says, look, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You can't reach my standard because my standard is not little sin. My, sin, my standard is no sin. That's the standard. But you know what? I have a way. I've made a way that your sin can be taken care of. But you have to trust Christ. You have to accept His gift. And the Bible tells us Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross. He paid for my sin. He offers it as a gift to me. All I have to do is accept it. But you don't have to. But if you don't, then you stand before God in your sin. And the Bible is very, very clear. God will say, apart from me, I don't know you. And then the Bible is also very clear, unfortunately, that those who reject Christ spend eternity in hell. You know, oh, I don't like that. You know, oh, don't, don't bring that like hell thing into it. Or, no, no, no. Read your Bible. Do you know Jesus Christ talks more about hell than he does heaven? You know, there are more references from the lips of Jesus about hell than there is about heaven. Why? Because he doesn't want anybody to be there. He doesn't want anybody to reject him and end up there. You go, well, I, you know, I, I just believe in heaven. I can't believe in hell. Basic science for every 
For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So you believe there's a heaven, but you don't believe, how, how does that work? How does that work? And what happens if people don't go there? What, what do they do? It's like a limbo thing? No, no, no. You go, well, I can't believe God would send people. God doesn't send anybody to hell. They choose to go there because they rejected him. Just like Satan. They make that choice. You go, eh, that just seems harsh to me. Look, don't take my word for it. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. We have a service like this. We preach like we do. We teach like we do for that simple reason of we have, many of us have experienced, the grace and forgiveness and love and mercy of Jesus Christ. And he has taken away our sin and we stand before him righteous. We stand before him covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so we know our sin is taken care of. So the bottom line is this. I have a heart attack today and I stand before God today. I enter heaven not because I'm a preacher, not because um, I'm wonderful to my wife. I enter heaven today because I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He forgave my sin. He came into my life. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And I want to spend eternity with him. So I beg you this morning. You go, well, you know, I don't know too many Christians who are jerks. You know what? Here's the thing. You're not going to stand before them. You're going to stand before a holy God. I know a bunch of Christians that are jerks too. And you know what I've decided? I'm just not going to be like them. I'm going to set as my model, not them, but my Savior. And I'm going to try to live the way he teaches me to live life, not the way they live life. For those of you who are Christians this morning, here's my challenge to you. Take a good hard look at your life. Don't keep comparing yourself to other people. Take a good hard look at your life. Are you living according to the Word of God? Are you living according to the Word of God? It's that, it, it, it's that easy. When people, here's my question, when people look at your life, do they see Christ? Do people want what you've got? Do you have something about your life that attracts people to Christ? Because we should. The Bible says we've given life, and we've been given life abundantly. And we have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meek, temperance. All of those things that we have given to us, and the ability to live that way. But I see so many Christians that instead of doing that, what we do is we live like everybody else. So tomorrow we'll go in and complain about Monday. And we'll gripe about our job. And we'll complain about this, and we'll complain about that. Who wants that? Who wants, a, who, wants, who wants somebody who acts like they do? Folks, as a Christian, we ought to do it better. Because we have a higher example and a higher calling. Not because of it. But because we've been made righteous in Christ. And we have a different motivation for the way we live our lives and do our jobs. And it's a challenge sometimes to look at it. Because I think sometimes we forget. There are a lot of people in this world that will never pick up the Bible. But they are watching your life. And you have an obligation as a believer to live in such a way, as Paul said, that they see Christ in you and they have hope. My challenge is for each of us who call ourselves Christian to live that way this week. And for those of you who may not know anything about Christ or Christianity or whatever else, there's, at the back of this church is a little track put up by Billy Graham that talks about 
how to know you're a Christian. There's a thing in that song thing that, that tells you about how to know that you're a Christian. It's not about church. It's not about the hoops. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He offers you a gift. Make sure you have accepted it and embraced it. Because it is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Each Sunday I close with a benediction or whatever you want to call it. A challenge. So here's my challenge this week. This week, may you judge your life today so that if you were called to stand before God before the end of this day, you can know that your sins are forgiven and you don't stand before God in your sin. May those of us who are believers live our lives according to the way God designed and God desired us to live. And that we walk this week according to His word and not our minds. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, help us not to keep taking the word of God and adjusting it to our culture and our lifestyle. But rather, Lord, to go to the Word of God and let it be the standard by which we live our lives. Lord, for those who, maybe this is the first time, they have heard that you offer forgiveness of sins and abundant life, Lord, may they embrace that. May they make it their own. They understand it's not about what we do, but it's about what you have done. Lord, for others who are here this morning, who are believers, and we've gathered to worship the fellowship, to learn and grow. Lord, don't let us waste this time, but help us to apply it to our lives and help us, Lord, to be challenged tomorrow and the rest of this day and the rest of this week to reflect and to respond in the ways that you would have us respond so that people could see Christ in our lives. We will give you the honor.